What's up, everybody? Welcome to this uh, episode, Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hi V Toyson Ford. Dan here. We got a uh, good buddy Brandenburg that we usually have on Fridays when we record uh, the the podcast here. And sometimes we do a top five. We haven't done a top five in a couple weeks. Maybe since Oktoberfest, right? We haven't done a top five already. We're going to have to do a top five here soon. Yes, we are. I think we're we're, we're kind of lacking or being lazy and coming up with some. There's too much stuff going on. It was a little yeah. easier during the summer when we were a little bit more at a leisurely pace. Mm-hmm. Are you a uh, horror movie, scary movie guy? I mean, I'll watch them, but I don't go out of my way. to like. I, I wouldn't consider myself like an aficionado. Okay. So... I might have to do a top five horror movie by myself. Top five scary. I movie. don't think I would bring a lot to the table. Okay, I'll do that on my own. Maybe we could do like a. Well, I'm just thinking Halloween, closer. Yeah. Top five candy. I was just gonna say that top okay. five Halloween candies. All right, so we'll do that one. Yeah, that's an easy one. That's you, an easy so. one. All right, but uh, this one we're gonna talk uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the big three, little Bucks, little Brewers, and then uh, little Packers. Um, anybody knows? I mean, I know you're a Vikings fan here, but you still got perspective and thoughts that everybody wants to hear. Everybody. Everybody. Wants to hear from you. Uh, Packers got blown out by the Lions last night. Um, let me let me ask this first. Are you, I don't know, I don't know if impress is the right word. Do you think Dan Campbell has so far kind of exceeded your expectations as a head coach? Because... Let's rewind it when he first got hired. You know, he's got the sound bites, biting kneecaps, all that sort of stuff. Even last year, start what one and six, and there was talk about him getting fired. And we we've talked about, you know, with that mindset, with that personality, you know, it's fine. It gets guys riled up, but if it's not working, it gets old quick, right? Do you think he's exceeded those expectations so far? I know they haven't made the playoffs, but I mean, there's a lot of hype around here right now. Has he kind of exceeded it a little bit for you personally? Yes. You think? Yes, especially with the way last year started, I kind of thought he would be one of the latest in a long line of kind of the the strict disciplinarian guys you hear about that ultimately flame out because you know it takes a special type of coach that's like that to win in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's more of a college thing. Yep. I mean, these are grown men that you're you're working with. You can't do the rah rah speech all the time and get right. them going, but not like Dion, right? Right, but yeah. if you can, that's one of the things. Like, I think Dion works better in college, right? But uh, yep. I think too. The thing I've been impressed with, I guess I can say at the very least offensively, is his ability to find coaches to that work for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, finding Ben Johnson. Yep. I mean, a guy that's going to be a head coach here. I, and you know what? With the quick. quarterbacks coming in the draft, it might be next year if they want to pair a young guy with right. a quarterback like right. that. So, yeah. you know, he was able to kind of you know pick his shot and he mm-hmm. decided to come back to Detroit this year because you know maybe he wasn't super enamored with the options out there, but. Right. You know that's I mean that's been great for that offense. I mean mm-hmm. watching that offense, it hums like a you know like a fine tuned machine. Kind of resurrected Jared Goff's career Absolutely. a little bit. That's where it's allowed them to be patient trying to find a new quarterback. Exactly, exactly. Goff is, you know, he's he's a point guard. He's I'm trying to think of an example of like a good point guard that wasn't like a superstar, but someone that could facilitate. Yeah, that but yeah. It, it was he, that point guard knew it was his job. To get the ball to everybody else, it's almost a Stockton esque because Stockton yeah, wasn't a great scorer. I would say scorer. Stockton, but Stockton was all. I think I felt like Stockton was still a superstar. Scott Skiles. I mean, that's actually a good one because yeah. he had Shaq, he had Penny. Mm-hmm. I, the honestly, uh, the other type of guy I was going to bring up, and I was going to actually go to college, Josh Gosser. 
Okay, yeah. A guy like that, he had his moments. Yeah. But he was on a team with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, and he knew, like, hey, it's not going to be my job to go out there and get 25 points. Right. And he, he could did. hit the corner three a yeah. few times. But, but, it, but he, you, you knew on that team, Josh Gosser was a huge part of that team. Mm-hmm. You know, everything runs through Jared Goff because he's the quarterback. But he knows, hey, look, it's my job to get to Amon Ross St. Brown. It's my job to get to, you know, Gibbs and Montgomery and, you know, Laporta. Like, mm-hmm. It's my job to facilitate. It's not my job to be the you know to be the it's guy. Almost that like a poor man's Drew Holiday. Yeah, that's actually pretty. Yeah, which we'll get to here. In a yeah, little we'll bit, get to but, that yeah. in a little bit. But like, I, I just think that we saw with Goff and with the Rams, he can be good. Mm-hmm. You just have to do things a certain way, right? And once that kind of fell out of favor with the Rams, he found a new place to go and apply his trade. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're exactly right. So. Uh, Green Bay, uh, I, I, this is, so I don't know if you know who Ben Fennel, uh, or, you know, so Ben Fennel, uh, he's got so many different, uh, roles. I think, you know, watch a lot of film in that, but, uh, he made an interesting point and this was literally just, I'm going to read it off. He tweeted about 20 minutes ago. So he had retweeted a tweet back from 2019, uh, where, uh, it's, it's a clip from Matt LaFleur, uh, when he was with the, with the Titans, but uh, this was a quote, and I'll just read the, the, the tweet from 2019 from Ben. Matt LaFleur, McVeigh philosophy. Quote, there's always going to be a foundation that starts with a run game and how we then tie the pass game to the run game. We want to keep defenses guessing. If you have, if you have plays that start out looking the same but are different. Ben retweeted that tweet and said this. I think LaFleur has drifted too far from his main philosophy. There is no establishing foundation to the offensive design. What's the bread and butter? What can they trust to get back on track? Lean on. Too many young, inconsistent players for a Rolodex offense need an identity. And I think that sums it up very well with what's going on with this team. Because I know on the on the show, on the, on the morning show, and a lot of uh, fans on, on Twitter, you know, I question too. Where's Aaron Jones? Why are we not handing him the ball off twenty times or something like that? Utilize and maybe that kind of goes to that point where Ben's like, you know, if there is a lot of young, inconsistent players, shouldn't the foundation of this team? And I know Aaron Jones just got back because he missed a couple games, so I don't want to. Over, but shouldn't the foundation, or should the foundation be running the ball with Aaron Jones right now? I, I think, think it has to be. I think it should. You know. Romeo Dobbs is putting up good numbers, and he looks like he's a good, you know, going to be a really good wide receiver. But you got the quarterback who is struggling with accuracy issues right now, especially when it comes to a deep ball. Um, he missed a couple of them again, you know, on, on Thursday night. But I just feel like, and I use this example, and maybe I'm over exaggerating here a little bit. I don't know why, but whenever I think of Lafleur and I think of a style of offense, I instantly go back to the 49ers, and I think that's because I want that style of offense. A few years ago, it didn't matter who was the running back. They were running the ball. Green Bay was a victim of that many times. Now they get Christian McCaffrey. They're not balancing it out. They're not splitting carries. It's Christian McCaffrey. You're feeding your best player, the football. And I feel like still Green Bay isn't quite doing Like Aaron Jones is your best running back. He's probably your best offensive skill player, at least most consistent right now. So why wouldn't you feature him? And I'm not trying to just go based off one game, but like you mentioned too, it's been that way the last couple of years. It right. Seems like. There's been times in the past few years where Packer fans have said, "Where's, where's, where's Aaron Jones?" Or there's been times where Matt Lafleur said, "Well, we gotta, we gotta make more of an effort to get Aaron Jones the ball." Like if it keeps happening, obviously there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I just so again, I don't want to overreact to one game. I know he's coming back from from a, from a hamstring, but then you know the way you started off the game, you get the turnover. You're deep in Detroit territory, and you go pass, 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 and you lose yards. Then the ensuing drive, pass, pass, pass. You're not pass. You're getting sacked and, and all that, and and I do this for everything. I was doing it last night. I'm like, okay, I try to get in the minds of people and be like, okay, so why did they decide to do that? What could be the reasonings? And I understand some of it, like, okay, Detroit's safety is banged up, trying to attack that. Your offensive line stinks at run blocking. You've been really good at pass blocking. So maybe you try to attack that. But at the same time, I almost feel like you overthink it. You're overthinking it as a, as a play caller, as a coach, where – like Ben said, your bread and butter, your foundation. And I agree. I don't think they have that foundation. I think we all know what that foundation should be, but they're not letting it be their foundation, if that makes sense. Right. If you're if so much of the style of offense that they want to run involves like, you know, plays off the you know, like play action, you know, moving off the run, you have to establish run. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get to step two before you execute step one. Right. So it's we said it before the season was gonna was gonna begin up and down, but it's football and there's not a lot of games compared to a baseball season where we can say, hey, it's just one game. We live and die by one game. We overreact. We underreact to one game because it's only once a week, um, sometimes two a week, depending on the schedule and such. But we should expect this, right? We should expect. I will say though, the one thing with Jordan Love, and he's had some good moments in that, but that the accuracy on. I don't know, Brandon, and I know you you probably didn't watch a lot of snaps, but some of his throws, missing the deep ones, but even like the the mid-range ones, it seems like a lot he's trying to fit it in there. Like there's, I know there's the catch percentage rate and, you know, he's given receivers an opportunity, but sometimes there's throws in there and I'm like, dude, you're lucky that got broke up. Like he's trying to fit it in there. And I just feel like, is that Jordan, is it receivers not able to, to, you know, create separation. I, I don't know. It's too early to tell, I think, at this point. And I don't want to, you know, be too hard, but yet not praise him a whole lot because there's been some good, but there's I've definitely missed some bad. And I think that's where we got to have those expectations with the younger quarterback. Right. Kind of set that there. So, but Malifour's pissed. We'll see if anything happens at this point. So, uh, would you agree that's probably one of the first times we, we played a little bit of his, his conferences where. The frustration showed yes a little bit more, and I know a lot of people were critical of him and you know kind of how he uh, acted if uh, after that, and I get it. You got to be professional and all that, but I also think it's ridiculous. And again, I get it; it's the way it is to do halftime interviews I with, with coaches. Ninety nine <laughs> times out of a hundred, you're not learning anything, right? They don't want to do it. You're, I mean. You got to factor into the the human element for for some people too. When you're getting your ass kicked, you're going to be frustrated, especially when it's on TV. And then you got to go do a presser shortly after a game like that. Again, I know you got to be professional with it, but sometimes the human element shows up, and it's tough. It's tough to control uh, emotions like that too. So, all right, because uh, we're I want to touch on everything here a little bit. Let's go to baseball here. Uh, we know the Brewers have clinched the division. They're the three. At the time of this recording, we don't know who they're going to play at. 
probably going to be Cubs or Marlins uh, at this point. Does either team concern you, worry you? Or maybe the best thing is, is there a team that presents a bigger challenge to the Brewers in the wild card round? I think they're, the challenges are a little bit different. Uh, the Cubs, even though it's not going well for them right now, they still have you know the pieces on offense mm-hmm. to to make things difficult. The Marlins, I think, maybe a little more pitching heavy, especially from the left side. Yeah, you know, they've got some good young pitchers, and that's even not including you know Sandy Alcantara or, or who is uh you know who's injured. Mm-hmm. But and they have a ton of lefties, and we've said over the years, you know, the Brewers, you know, Achilles heel at the time has been hitting left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's one that I would you know say is more challenging than the other. I just think they present different challenges. And at this point, any team you see is going to be able to do some things well because that's why they're in the playoffs. Right. So I think it's less about that. And I think it's more than just making sure you feel good about yourself. You know, they're going to have their starters lined up the way they like it. Mm-hmm. They, we've already heard that they're going to be kind of regimenting their relief innings this weekend to make sure that the big, you know, the big guns, so to speak, are you know they're entering that with plenty of rest. So if there's a game on Saturday or Sunday and maybe Devin Williams doesn't close it out, don't get you know don't get perturbed. That was, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. But for me, the big thing, the big approach, the big modus operandi for this weekend with the Brewers' offense is going to be just get feeling good. Mm-hmm. Get you know have your guys out there, play them Friday, play them Saturday. If you want to give them three at bat Sunday, and then you know maybe sub them out, fine. Mm-hmm. But make sure they are getting at bats leading into that series because you have one day off and it starts on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Before, I mean, because the next time I'm going to talk to you, that series is going to be over with. Yeah, the, 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 mean, the we might be done talking about you know on field Brewers baseball for the year, or right. we might be talking about the NLDS. Right. Give me a key player for this wild card series besides the pitchers, because I mean we know the three starters going right. So I guess what I'm asking is a key offensive player. Because that's the biggest question mark for this team, isn't it? Is is the offense right now? Is it Yelich? Is it uh, Mark Canna, who's been really good since he's been with the team? Could it be William Contreras has been Mr. Mr. Consistent so far? If you had a key player, who would it be? I'm going to give you one, and it's none of those guys you mentioned, and I'll explain why. Josh Donaldson. Okay. Josh Donaldson's a guy that's come in, and he's hit for power. Now, his slash lines entering the weekend aren't going to be great. It's not like he's hitting 350, but... He's hitting for power. Home runs, extra base hits, taking walks. Mm-hmm. If they play the Marlins, a team that's got lefties they can throw out there, his career numbers against lefties are very good. And I think that becomes even more pronounced because the Brewers lineup is better against righties than lefties. Mm-hmm. So suddenly he's a guy that you're elevating to maybe hit fifth or sixth. And you need him to get into a couple mm-hmm. you know, to help scratch across runs because again they have the Bruce have a few lefty mashers in the lineup. William Contreras is great against lefties. Mm-hmm. Marcana has been solid, but otherwise there's not a lot mm-hmm. that have really good numbers. So I'm looking at someone like Josh Donaldson that you know his I think his defense has been good. He's you know he's up there in years, so I think he's one of those guys that if he when he gets to it he makes the play. That was always the thing I said about J.J. Hardy when he was the shortstop. J.J. Hardy didn't have the greatest range in the world, but if he got to the ball, he made the play. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But Josh Donaldson's here to hit. Mm-hmm. And he's hit for extra base hits so far, and he's been patient taking his walks, and he's you know, he's had some big, some big bops on the bottom half of the lineup. He's someone I think 
could be an absolute difference maker. Would you, and, and maybe this is based off pitching lineups, you know, I'm just kind of going through the the uh, the, the lineup in my head, like the, the regulars that you, we know is going to be the Contreras, Yelich, you know, Adamas. Uh, I'm assuming Santana is going to be kind of the regular again. Is it Terang or Monasterio that you start at second? Um, I, I could see them going lefty versus righty. Is that where that's and, the line? And is another one that's got much better numbers against lefties. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if they felt like they needed a little bit more offense, I could see them going Monasterio at second over Terang. But I think Terang plays as a late-game sub for defense as needed. Because his defense, I mean, he's... Give him the gold glove for some of those plays. I was going to say, you, you, can make, he's the be- you can make the case that he's potentially the best defensive player the Brewers have. Mm-hmm. You can make that case. But... He's not going to be playing shortstop, barring something happening to Willie Damas. It would be second base. You know, to me, if you, you know, I think you you just measure offense versus defense. And with the three pitchers you're going to be throwing out there in this wild card round, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, all more strikeout fly ball guys. Mm-hmm. Does Craig Council think maybe he needs a little extra shot for offense and goes with a Monasterio? I could see it. With mm-hmm. the caveat, you can bring in Bryce Trang late in the game if you want to, if you're up 4-2. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, Garrett Mitchell just got activated. He had a good game, and, and you know, his first game back. These next three against the Cubs, I think, are going to be telling whether he makes that roster. Let's say he, he's got a solid series. Are you comfortable putting him as the starter in center field to open up game one? And if so, we know Yelich is probably going to be left field maybe dh I, I don't know but then you still got sal free like tyrone taylor uh is, is involved in that how do you or, or again is that just because the way baseball is it's so matchup based and it depends on the pitchers and is this a luxury to have this many options? it is a, it is a luxury that's where i will start with but um yeah if he comes out and plays well you know the and, and ends on a hot note I have no issues whatsoever with uh, rolling with some uh, serious playing time for Garrett Mitchell. Now, because the thing I think you also got to look at, too, is, you know, Sal Freelich's numbers in September, they've been not necessarily great. Entering the Friday game, he's hitting 255, 314 on base percentage, not really hitting for much power. We know the defense is good there, but, you know, I think in, with Freelich versus Mitchell, the biggest difference is swing and miss. Mm-hmm. Garrett Mitchell's got more power, but he also has more swing and miss in his game. I think that if Mitch, yeah, if Mitchell comes out and he does some good things and he shows he can put the bat on the ball, and that's big. Like if he comes out and he's not, you know, striking out two, three times a game, I could see Garrett Mitchell getting some starts. And it's interesting that you know that DH spot. I feel like it's probably going to rotate between Yelich or Canna. I think the last few starts of getting William Contreras out there with Corbin Burns was with the postseason in mind, knowing you're probably not going to be getting very many starts for Victor Caratini. Mm-hmm. In, in part because that DH spot is more valuable to be having either Yelich or Canna there versus Contreras. Mm-hmm. But you have a bit of an embarrassment of riches at, on, at outfield when it comes to the Brewers, especially defensively. We know, you know, Garrett Mitchell can cover ground in center field. Right. You know, Sal Freelich maybe is better as a left or a right fielder than a center fielder, but we've seen he can he's cover. He's made some sweet but, he, catches. but he's made some yeah. great plays. He's yep. you, you're not hurting yourself there. That helps defensively because I think at this stage of the game, Tyrone Taylor's better in left or right than he is in center, mm-hmm. mostly because there's better options. Marcana, 
he's not a bad outfielder, but he, again, it's a bit like the Josh Allison thing. He's not very quick, but when he gets to, he catches. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian Yelich has had a better year, but still, you know, still maybe not a guy that you're going to have out there every day just because the the arm isn't necessarily the strongest. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest it, the biggest way it may help too is a late game sub. If you can roll in those last few innings with a with an outfield of Mitchell and center, Freelich and left, Taylor and right, and then say Yelich is your DH. Say you you know you're up four two and you sub out Marcana as a you know because he's not getting another at bat. That's a pretty good defense in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and who's not and who's to say that you know what if the Brewers bring up Joey Weimer, but that's strictly for defensive purposes mm-hmm. because then suddenly if you have an outfield of Weimer, Freelich and Mitchell, that's, that's a lot of that's, speed. That's a lot of speed. There's some good arms. Like, and you may say, well, would they do that? Like, we've seen over the years how much the Brewers prioritize defense. Yeah. And even if it's, you know. Matt Arnold talked about it before the trade yeah, deadline, and, too. And honestly, in this conversation, a guy I left out, it wasn't on purpose, is Blake Perkins. Blake Perkins, is a, his defensive metrics are really good. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been kind of an under-the-radar glue guy. You know, he maybe he, maybe instead of Joey Weimer, Blake Perkins is that guy that's a late-game sub, late-game mm-hmm. pinch runner. You know, he's a switch hitter. He can hit lefties or righties. If they face a lot of lefties, you know, he might, Blake Perkins might be a guy we're talking about a little bit here. And he's, he's a guy that's, you know, done well since he got called back up this month. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, since he returned, I mean, it's not that much. It's only eight games. You know, he's he's doing well. He's hitting 238, but he's got an on base percentage of 385. Like, there's some extra base hits in there. We know the speed. You know, maybe Blake Perkins is if if Josh Allison's the guy I'm picking. Blake Perkins might be kind of that next in the running as far as a he might get a little more playing time than you think, especially late in the game. Interesting. So, um, do you want to wait and make your World Series picks till after Wild Card? I mean, I can. because it's 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 kind of. I mean, unless yeah. you already know it now, but I mean, I mean it's. Yeah, we can wait. Okay. Just want to see. It. Okay, I won't go down there. I was gonna say, are you gonna pick the Brewers to go there? Yeah. Do you like their? I, I no, I asked you that last week because I asked you last week about 2018 and like this year. Which one do you like better? Felt felt better about with chances, and I think you picked 18 because yeah. of the offense yeah. uh, over yep. there too. So it does seem like though I don't. You could correct me if I'm wrong to, to wrap this up before we get to, to Bucks chat here and, and close out the the pod. And maybe I'm off on this, but does it seem like there's more national hype around the Brewers this year as a World Series sleeper than maybe the other postseason runs? Because I feel like maybe and maybe compared to 2021, yeah. But I don't know if necessarily 2018. I mean that because the Dodgers were really good in 18. They too. were, but remember the Brewers were the best record in the NL. Brewers that's had home field advantage, yep. so that's you know that team. A lot of people remember. Well, they made it, you know they made it into the playoffs because they won the division, winning the the playoff or the extra game. Yep. But they also had the best record in the National League, so it wasn't like it was some plucky underdog. Mm-hmm. There was no presumptive favorite mm-hmm. as of right now. There's the Braves right. and there's the Dodgers, and then there's everybody else. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Kind of been going like about 10, 12 minutes yeah. each one. I like this. Uh, so probably the biggest one. In the uh, in the states, I I, I turned it uh, the other day, Brandon, that uh, the Bucks did what Packers and Brewers fans have wanted their teams to do over the last few years here, um, and that's make a huge splash move. I know I talked a little bit about it uh, in, in a previous episode here, but you had some interesting thoughts that I, I kind of wanted to revisit that you mentioned on the 
on, on, on the radio show here too. And and first it was, you know, when you're talking about Drew Holiday, just because, you know, you, just because, like, there's not a negative feeling towards Drew Holiday. Absolutely not. And, and I don't know why there would be. Yeah, uh, and, I, and, and let's be honest, I haven't really seen that sentiment out there. Right. So I'm not. I, I'm just. I want to be sure that that's kind of known. Right. Exactly. Because it, the example we kind of used too, and it was the first thing that I thought of was like when the Badgers hired Luke Fickle over Jimmy Leonard. We all loved Jimmy Leonard. We all loved Drew Holiday. But we also thought, like, oh, wow, you actually got somebody like a Luke Fickle, like the, you said, established. This is a chance know. to go to aim at the next level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jim Leonard's the great Wisconsin success story. Mm-hmm. We know, we were up and grew, grew up, went to, you know, went to school in Flambeau, helped that team win a state championship, was the, this just outstanding three-sport athlete there, walked on to the Badgers, became an All-American, had a yep. great NFL career, came back, coached one of the top defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have batted an eye if the Badgers just hired Jim Leonard. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, you appreciate the fact that Chris McIntosh and that group went outside the box a little bit and said, we want to aim bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bucks are doing here, too. This could blow Look, this could blow up in their face. You know, Dan Malero hasn't played a ton of games the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But this was a move I feel like you have to make when it's out there, when it's available. Mm-hmm. And I think Giannis understands that as well, yeah. especially with the comments he made. You, know, you can't make those comments and then be mad when they do something that upsets the status quo when you just said the status quo may not be good enough. Right. Bingo. I completely agree with you uh, with that, too. And I know, you know, it's like you go back to a couple of years, Giannis said the one guy he'd love to play with is Giannis or uh, uh, Dame. And Dame said the same thing about Giannis. You go to the All-Star game. Yes, first pick was Dame over Drew Holiday, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, it. I just think this is a good mat, uh, good pairing. Is it fair to say this is? And it's not a knock on Holiday or Middleton, but this is a legit superstar duo. I think so because you know it was always like Middleton is an I don't know he's an all star, but is, is he, he, a super, he? And that's it. Is he yeah. a superstar? Is he a superstar? And and, I, and maybe not. He was a guy that we saw in the 2011 or 21 playoffs could play at that level for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But the difference between being a top five player and a top 25 player is consistency. Yeah, You're going to get that out of Dame Lillard a lot more. And a guy who can really create on his own. Right, and they're, and, and they're so – they play off each other so well. You, you already see people talking about, well, you know, good luck trying to defend that pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Where you've got, you know, you've got Lillard, Giannis. Is, is Dame going to spot up for a 30-foot three? Is Giannis going to go to the basket? Or – you're going to kick it over to Chris Middleton, who, you know, is probably going to be getting the benefit of some a little bit more space, right? Because you got to take care of those other options, right? I think another guy too that could benefit from that pick and roll is Brook Lopez, right? You know, him coming up there too because of his range uh, over there too. It's just, yeah, I just I think this is a huge win. You know, I also think it puts in a good way too. Maybe it makes it easier in ways, but also puts a lot of pressure on a first year head coach and Adrian Griffin, right? You know, coming in here is like, oh wow, because I know when he first got hired, he's like. Hey, let's be honest here. You know, not many first-time head coaches get an opportunity to coach a team like the talent with the Bucks. You just got a little bit better now, right? I think the Terry Stotts hire is even better now. I loved it before, but now you're pairing him up because he coached Dame for eight years as a head coach in Portland, and he's familiar with Milwaukee. Yeah, and those are two places he has a lot of familiarity with. Yeah, throwing my headphones across. That's how excited you are. I am. So, I think expectations are should be high. Sky high. You know, I know I asked this. 
you know, in the next four years, what should that line be for championship? Maybe I'm being – I think it has to be two. I, I, I think it has to be two when you got that. This reminds me a little bit of the 2011 Brewers. Okay, so when they made when they made them because that and, and and granted, obviously the big difference here is the Bucks mm-hmm. won a championship. The Brewers didn't. I was trying to find a comparable because somebody had asked, like, I'm just a casual Bucks fan. How do I put this in? You know, can you make a comparison? Yeah, that so that team kind of went quote unquote all in. And that's where I was like, Trades maybe the Zach Greinke trade. Yeah, Zach yeah. Greinke and Sean Markham. They said mm-hmm. 2011. This is it. Now there's obviously there's a little bit bigger of a window here. Right. But that they came into that year knowing Prince Fielder is gone. Right. And they put their chips in. They got to the NLCS. Yep. This is a little different because obviously Lillard's under contract a little bit. But there is the unknown with Giannis. Mm-hmm. We feel like this helps move them towards Giannis inking another extension, but right. we don't know that for sure yet. Right. Maybe you know three weeks that might be different. Right. But right now we don't know that. Right. But this is the team you know that's now not is going to be one of the older teams in the league, if not the oldest. Mm-hmm. That's not going to have a lot of draft pick capital in these upcoming years. Right. Basically saying these next three or four years. As you said, if you win two championships there, we don't care if we suck in 2029. It right. does not matter. Right. Banners fly forever. Mm-hmm. Banners fly forever. That's another awesome one-liner. I love that, too. I mean, you know, it's funny because you get in the it's, – it's kind of similar. We weren't around them, but Kareem and Big O, when they acquired Big O to, to pair up with Kareem, I mean, they got the championship there. But they did. It's it's kind of similar in that aspect uh, a little bit I think but I, I how do you not get excited for this thing? right like right. like Damian like I love Drew Holiday like everybody yeah, can, I like, love Drew thing, Holiday it's 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 fair to be disappointed mm-hmm. the Bucks traded Damian or they traded Drew Holiday because you love Drew Holiday mm-hmm. but also be excited you can be more than one thing it doesn't have to, it's not an either or scenario yep. you can be both things like but Damian Lillard is one of my favorite players in the entire league right. and I'm it's hard not to temper expectations. Why should we temper expectations? That's that's the thing. I don't think you know. It's just you're looking at it. What what he brings to the table, and then Giannis. It's just oh, you get goosebumps thinking about it. And right now, I look at this on paper. How how are they not the the favorites? We might have a rematch from a couple of years ago. Phoenix with all their talent. Bucks that's now cool. with, with this. It might be a rematch, and maybe. The national media won't be so annoyed with that matchup this year because of the big names involved with this one. Right. You know, so it, and that would be a fun series. It would. Not I'd like to run that back. You got Bradley Beal versus Damian Lillard, KD versus Giannis. I mean, Booker versus Middleton. Middleton, you know, that's it's just, wow, that would be a fantastic series. That really would. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, yeah. but. But? Hey, 74 and 8. <laughs> No, I'd rather uh, yeah. Just to, just avoid playing the Heat in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I feel like Drew's going there. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like he's going to go there, and he would fit in well there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? Again, it's like you don't wish him ill will. No, you know, you, you don't. No, ideally, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you would love to just see him go somewhere in the West and have a lot of success. Just stay in Portland. You know? Yeah, yeah, just, just somewhere where, he, yeah, hey, you can you know be successful, but obviously somewhere where you're really not going to run up against the Bucks until, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was time. Right. But you know what? Hey, if he gets, end up, you know, getting dealt or ends up getting Lakers. bought out, like. Lakers. Him and LeBron. And, and, and AD. I don't know. I don't know. But I saw some people talking, too, about the Celtics. I think if the Celtics got him, that would Ooh, be. That would. 
Then you've really got – I know uh, 76ers are a popular one too because of the whole James Harden yeah, ordeal there. But, Matt, let's but, put it this way. Wherever he ends up, can you you know how much of a microscope that first Bucks game against wherever Drew Holiday is. Yeah. And Drew's going to you know, – he's going to probably be guarding Lillard, mm-hmm. you know, being the defensive stopper he was. I mean, outside of Jimmy Butler, but that's a tough matchup as someone that's much bigger than him. Right. That was a tough ask, mm-hmm. especially once it became apparent, like, this isn't working. To mm-hmm. keep going back to that, I thought that was just putting Drew Holiday in a bad spot. I agree. But, you know, we'll, we'll find that out in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon. I'll let you go here. Big thanks for hopping on the pod. We'll, we'll get back to another top five here uh, soon. But, uh, everybody, appreciate you tuning in and uh, checking out the podcast. Don't forget, be a friend, tell a friend about the podcast, leave a positive comments five star reviews so others can find the podcast too we got to come up with an incentive thing for the for the listeners out there too a little contest or whatever so we'll do that but until next time i'm dan big thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you on the next episode of the man cave podcast